Hey, my name's Jamie Poisson, and I'm the host of Frontburner. It's the CBC's daily news podcast. And every day we're discussing the big events and fault lines shaping Canada and the world. Politics, economics, social movements, you name it. Sometimes we even talk about really fun stuff like the enduring relevance of Lord of the Rings. You can hear Frontburner on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Peter Lin. I'm filling in for Dr. Goldman this week. Welcome to The Dose. Intermittent fasting is becoming increasingly popular with celebrities and influencers touting benefits of regulated eating schedules. But there's still a lot of research that needs to be done. So this week we're asking, what are the benefits of intermittent fasting? With us today is Dr. Jason Fung. He's a nephrologist, expert on intermittent fasting, and author of several best-selling books, including The Obesity Code. So Jason, welcome to The Dose. Thanks, Peter. Great to be here. Thanks for sharing our, your expertise with us. But let's get started first. Do you actually practice intermittent fasting yourself? Like, do you do that? Yeah, I do it on a regular basis. I do it uh, most days. I do 16 hours. Sometimes I do 24 hours. Wow, that's great. So it's, it's nice to see you're, you're doing what you're preaching, I guess. Um, so let's start off with the basics. So what is intermittent fasting? So that way our audience kind of gets a, a grounding of what we're talking about. Yeah, fasting is, uh, it sounds really exotic and hard and stuff to some people, but really it's just a period of time that you decide that you're not going to eat. And this is actually a very traditional way uh, of thinking about things, which is that there's a period of time that you're supposed to eat, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then there's a period of time that you're supposed to not eat. And if you keep those in balance, what happens, of course, is that when you're eating, you're taking in calories and you're going to store some of those calories. And when you're not eating, that's when you're going to take those calories that you've stored and use them. Because our body has the ability to store those calories, otherwise you'd die in your sleep every single night. So the point is that if you eat all the time and don't give yourself a chance to use the energy that you've taken in, you're going to you know, increase your calories over time, which is going to uh, cause weight gain. It's just like if you pump gas into your car constantly and never drive it around, then overflow same thing you put calories into your body all the time you don't give it a chance to sort of burn off it's going to store it and the body stores it as body fat right now with the fasting what what is the goal of doing that fasting like you know people are saying that there might be benefits in terms of weight loss and things like that what is the real goal in terms of uh, trying to fix your body i guess Really, uh, there's lots of different benefits and you can use it in many, many different ways because there's no set uh, period of time. That is, you can fast for 10 hours, you can fast for 14, 16, 24 hours. So it's simply that period of time and that can be adjustable and it's very flexible. Your body, uh, you know, stores energy in two ways. One is it can store it as sugar and two is it can store it as fat. And those two systems of sort of energy storage are complementary. If you have too much sugar, well, you're going to get type 2 diabetes. If you have too much body fat, well, that's obesity. So if you have diseases where you've got excess energy, then let your body use it off. But there's actually a whole host of other benefits to it. Uh, people talk about increased ability to think, increased energy. And this gets back to sort of very, very basic physiology, which is that uh, when you eat, 
there are certain changes in your body. Certain hormones go up and certain hormones go down. Uh, when you're fasting, your uh, insulin levels are going to go down and that's going to allow you to start using some sugar uh, or body fat and other hormones, which are so-called counter-regulatory hormones, go up. And this includes increased sympathetic nervous system tone. Uh, so that is your body is actually activating itself. So sympathetic tone is like the fight or flight response. Your body's actually being energized. And a lot of people feel that they can think better, they feel better, they have more energy because you're liberating the energy that's stored on your own body. But the sympathetic tone is one of the counter-regulatory hormones. Growth hormone is one of the counter-regulatory hormones. So as you, as you fast more, your growth hormone is going to skyrocket. It'll go up like three, four, five times the amount if you're eating. And growth hormone is very important to maintain, especially as you get older, muscle mass and bone mass. So diseases such as osteoporosis, for example, could be impacted, uh, sarcopenia, which could be impacted. So all kinds of things. And the idea is not uh, sort of deprivation or to go in excess, but to balance the feeding and the fasting because both, both are very essential for us. But we've gone into a situation, especially in the last 30 years, where we've decided based on no science at all, that we needed to eat from the minute we get up in the morning until the moment we go to bed. That was never the case that, you know, we never thought that was important. In the 1970s, for example, in 1980s, people ate at say 8 a.m. and they ate till perhaps 6 p.m. And after dinner, you didn't eat because you had to use that energy. You had to fast. And that's why you have this word breakfast, break your fast. But you can't break your fast if you're not fasting. So if you eat from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., this is, you know, that's 10 hours of eating and 14 hours of fasting. So 14 hours of fasting that virtually everybody in North America did every single day without even thinking about it. And then you get to the situation now where people are uh, being, especially this was especially true nine or 10 years ago when I first started talking about it. People thought that if you let more than, you know, 10 seconds go by, uh, be, you know, after waking up and you didn't put something in your mouth that you're going to be, you know, sick, right? And if you didn't eat immediately before <laughs> you brushed your teeth and fell asleep, you know, you're going to get sick. It's like, that's ridiculous. Your body knows how to handle the energy you know, it takes it in, it stores it. If you need it, you use it. That's basically it. You, you mentioned about, um, you know, different types of fast. So what type of fasting is there? You know, like how many hours is uh, kind of normal, I guess, that we should be aiming for? Yeah, so something like 14 hours should be a baseline. So 14 hours is 12, 14 hours. It's sort of baseline. It's sort of weight neutral if you want to avoid gaining weight over the long term. If you want to push it a little, the most common fasting strategy now would be say 16 hours uh, of fasting equals eight hours of eating. So you might eat, for example, from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. or you might do it early, for example, you can do say 9 a.m. till you know 4 p.m. or something like that. So there's various ways to do it, but that's one of the more popular schedules. And then you can go up to 20 hours, for example, which shortens your eating window to about four hours, for example. And some people eat say, one meal a day, which is sort of 23 hours. So those are the most popular schedules, but there's actually no, you know, there's no rules in it. You can do it whichever way you want to, whatever you feel best. 
Um, th th there's a sort of, uh, you know, pluses and minuses of all of those uh, sort of strategies. So it's not like one is right and one is wrong. It's about finding what really works for you. What, what is the latest research in terms of intermittent fasting? Because it's all over the internet. Um, but what are the things telling us in terms of, is it helping our, our cells? Is it helping? You mentioned a lot of different things in terms of hormone changes and things like that that are in a good direction. Do we actually affect um, some of the genetics and some of the, um, the cells themselves in terms of how, how well they're functioning? Yeah, and that was this, uh, this uh, article that came out, this research article that just came out uh, a week ago or a few weeks ago. So very recent, they, they, and now keeping in mind that this was a, a mouse study, uh, they, they started to see a lot of uh, gene changes when you uh, restrict the period of fasting. So they compared mice. One of them, they gave them like sort of ad libitum feeding, which is sort of eat all the time. And the other one, they sort of condensed that period of time. And what they found was there was changes in number of genes in terms of, uh, you know, conforming better to the circadian rhythm and uh, better autophagy and all this sort of stuff, which makes sense because if you're, uh, you know, changing the way that you're eating, your, your, your body is going to make those adjustments as well. So there's actually gene changes. So not just the switching, but actually the genes themselves are changed. Now our genes change, like our gene expression changes all the time uh, based on, you know, what our environment is. So it just, but it goes to show that there are actually sometimes very, very profound changes in uh, changing the way that uh, we eat which is important because again, remember that fasting is a very, very traditional way of eating. Like you eat and then you fast and then you eat and then you fast. That's the cycle and that has to be in balance. Fasting traditionally has always been seen as a very good and healthy thing, right? The, the words associated with it had always been a cleanse or a detox or something along those lines, something healthy. It was only in the last 30 years that people started to think that, hey, you know, we're so smart, we should eat all the time. And and again, as we started to put that message out, of course, the eating period uh, has sort of ballooned. In fact, the average eating period now is, I think, 14 hours, 45 minutes, which means if you started eating at 8 a.m., the average person wouldn't stop until 10.45 p.m., which is really the entire sort of waking day. But these, these benefits are, you know, can be very profound. Not only these metabolic benefits, right? So treatment of type 2 diabetes and several new studies had uh, just come out again showing that you can actually completely reverse type 2 diabetes. There's two studies that just came out uh, using intermittent fasting uh, and, and obesity. And you think about it, the diseases that we face in 2023, it's a lot of them are... Um, you know, heart disease, stroke, cancer, a lot of them are impacted by weight and type 2 diabetes. The type 2 diabetes is a huge risk factor for strokes and heart disease and cancer, for example, right? So it has a massive, massive um, implications for public health. Even COVID, for example, is impacted by obesity. So uh, to think that we have this treatment, this potential treatment, fasting, which is very traditional, used for thousands of years because every major religion in the world has fasting traditions. So we have a lot of experience with fasting, but it's also free and it doesn't require any sort of specialized, uh, you know, equipment or surgery or medications. 
right? The public health implications are simply incredible. In other words, just return to what we were doing before, which was a proper eating amount, proper fasting amount. I think putting it to that perspective, fasting doesn't seem like some crazy idea. It's just going back to what we were used to and what our bodies were designed for. It sounds like, um, you know, you would recommend fasting for many people. You've done it for a long period of time, and I'm sure you, you, you look very young, so maybe that's part of it. Um, are there any people that we should be careful about in terms of them going on to intermittent fasting? I'm thinking about diseases that they might have, those kinds of things that might make fasting uh, dangerous for them. Are there any people that we have to be aware of? Yeah, and, and the one thing I'll say, of course, is that this applies to sort of longer fasts, like 12, 14 hours. Of course, everybody was doing that, and that was just normal. Some people, uh, you know, if you're very underweight or malnourished, of course, then obviously you don't want to be extending that fasting period. So don't try to go 24 or 48 hours if you are underweight because your body doesn't have these stores of energy. So people with anorexia nervosa, people who are, you know, underweight for whatever reason, and there can be lots of medical reasons. But everybody else other than that, uh, you have to think about periods of time where nutrition is important, so pregnancy, breastfeeding, and children, they probably shouldn't go for extended periods. But as I've said before, like kids used to go 20 hours, no problem. Um, the other thing, uh, you know, to really be careful of is if you're taking medications, not that you can't fast, and this is particularly true for uh, things like insulin and certain of the di uh, diabetes medications. It's not that you can't fast, it's that you need to adjust your medications. So those studies that showed that, you know, I, I, I did a case series of people, I took them off huge doses of insulin while fasting. And the idea is, though, is that you have to be very careful to adjust that ahead of time. So if you, t if you do fasting but take the same amount of insulin, your sugars can go very low, which is very dangerous. The, it's the, the, the treatment, of course, is to reduce that amount of medication which is good. If you're taking less medication, that's good. It means your disease process is less severe. So just be careful if you're on medications. Always talk to your doctor first. Right. And I think your insulin messaging is very good. It's not that you can't do it. It's just you now are eating in less. So therefore, we just have to adjust the medication. So it, it's not a don't do it. It's just do it safely uh, by yeah. adjusting the medication. Um, in terms of um, when people start intermittent fasting, you know, I have many patients that say they, they kind of feel foggy, you know, like they feel, feel kind of um, headachy and stuff like that in the beginning. What, what's happening in the beginning stages um, as they enter, you know, these intermittent fasting kind of programs? Yeah, a lot of times it's really a period of adjustment. So remember, your body is going to make changes. If you are not used to fasting and you're used to fueling your body on glucose all the time, it's just harder to use body fat because you're trying to switch. It's like those electric vehicles, right, that uh, go from sort of electricity to uh, gasoline sort of thing, right? It takes a, you, have, you can switch, but sometimes the body doesn't switch immediately from sugar to fat. And that's where some of the side effects come in. Some people get headaches. Some people wind up uh, feeling a little faint because they don't take enough salt, for example. So there are, you know, things to know as you start fasting. Um, and a good way to do it, of course, is just to gradually ramp it up. You don't have to go from sort of like no fasting to like, you know, seven days. You can go start with 14 hours, then you can go to 16 hours. Um, so a lot of these things you can build in gradually. Um, but there are a lot of these things that typically go away, like the headaches and the cramps and stuff. 
Hi, I'm Michelle Shepard, host of Uncover Charmini from CBC Podcasts. In 1999, 15-year-old Charmini Anandeville disappeared on her way to a job that police believed didn't exist. Four months later, her remains were found in a wooded ravine. I revisit the case that has stayed with me for over 20 years, ever since I first covered it as a cub crime reporter for the Toronto Star. You can find Uncover Charmini on CBC Listen or on your favorite podcast app. Yeah, that makes sense. And and this gradual idea is a good concept because I think most people think I have to do this severe 16-hour fast or it's not going to work. Whereas you're suggesting you can you can move yourself up and therefore build your your tolerance, I guess, to it as you're switching the fuel, uh, like you said, like the hybrid, you know, switching across as you're switching that. Now, if somebody's listening to this and say, you know what, this sounds really good because we're actually returning to a normal state of what we were. So instead of feeding for excessive amount, let's trim that off. Um, and they want to start something like this, what would you recommend for people? Because there's a lot of things on the internet, and I'm not sure the internet part is right. Um, so how, how should people start and, and what should they be doing as a first step? I think the easiest thing uh, as a first step is to sort of cut out all the snacking and try to eat sort of less refined carbohydrates. So the point being cutting out snacking is is essentially if if Again, if you eat breakfast in the morning and dinner at night and then nothing after that, you're still going to get that sort of 10, 12, 14 hours of fasting as a baseline. And it's, it's, it's relatively easy to do. The cutting down the carbohydrate intake, especially the sort of refined carbohydrates and the sugars, means you're trying to get your body a little bit more used to using fat as a fuel. Um, so whether your body uses uh, dietary fat, like, you know, from meats and olive oil and salmon and so on, or whether it uses body fat, uh, the process is the same. So using a low car- lower carbohydrate diet is a easier transition to fasting because you don't have to switch sort of constantly like that. Uh, those are two sort of easy, easy things to do and then sort of just build it up gradually. So uh, you know, there's two ways of going into things. You can either sort of like going in the pool, right? You can go, you know, one step at a time or you can cannonball into the deep end, right? Generally, it's easier, especially when you're dealing with older people or people who have other comorbidities, um, like what I generally do. So I usually start very gradually because you want to be able to just cut back. Remember, one of the advantages of fasting is you can back off at any moment if you don't feel well you just eat right there's nothing to it so if you go from you know cutting out snacking cleaning up your diet that's a great step sets you up for success to go to 16 hours and then longer if you want to and remember you don't have to do it every day you could do it you know on mon- every monday you do this or mondays and fridays you do this right so it's, it's very flexible just make sure you're feeling well that you're getting good advice as you're going you don't have to cannonball off the deep end and go, I'm going to do a seven-day fast. You can if you want, but, you know, then you may run into more problems, that's all. And I find that the cannonballers go down and then seven days later they stop everything and then they go back and they say that didn't work and and then we're back at square one again, unfortunately. <laughs> but this is this has been very useful because I, I, I know that our, our listeners are saying there's a lot of stuff on the internet, unfortunately, maybe not so reliable, 
Um, but what you've given us is very good explanation of we're just returning back to the normal state that we were before. We've been eating too long now, so therefore let's just replace that back to normal. So fasting isn't an abnormal state that we're trying to get people into. Uh, so I think that's been very useful. And uh, and I, I know that you've got great videos on mistakes that people make and, you know, how I've fasted. So therefore, I can eat whatever I want for the next five hours. So I, I know that you make recommendations against that as well. So, um, Jason, I want to thank you for your expertise and thank you for uh, guiding us through this very complicated area that's become very busy on the Internet. And uh, we really appreciate your your straightforward sort of good explanations of how things works and really thank you for coming on the dose and sharing your expertise with us well thank you so much peter it's great being here dr jason fung is a nephrologist expert on intermittent fasting and author of several best-selling books including the obesity code here's your dose of smart advice intermittent fasting is a schedule of fasting and eating or more specifically a period of time when you decide not to eat it's actually the way our body was designed here's how it works every time you eat your body takes in calories and what it does not use, it stores in the form of fat so that it can be used in the future when you're not eating. However, we are now eating for longer periods of time during the day. So the amount that we're eating is increased and the amount that we're fasting has become shorter and shorter. So we have more fuel coming in and so therefore more fuel is stored. By not eating for an extended period, we are telling your body to use up those reserves in storage. And that's how we get the fat back out and then we lose weight. Some research suggests that intermittent fasting may help reduce inflammation, improve blood sugar control, and lead to better heart health. If you want to try intermittent fasting, start slow. No need to do the big long fast. Also start by cutting out refined carbohydrates and decrease the number of snacks that you have during the day. That gets rid of the quick energy that your body is burning. You could start with any amount of time for fasting, but 14 hours is a good place to start if you include sleeping time, and eventually you can work your way up to 16 hours. You could start with doing it just once a week and then building up from there. It's important to remember that your body will need to get used to fasting and having less of that quick energy. So you may experience headaches or stomach cramps as a result. That's normal, but it should be monitored. Not everyone should fast. Children under the age of 18, women who are pregnant or breastfeeding, or people with type 1 diabetes shouldn't go on long periods of time without eating. If you're not sure if fasting is right for you, then check with your doctor or healthcare provider. If you have topics you'd like to discuss or questions you'd like answered, our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. This episode of The Dose was produced by Stephanie Dubois. Our senior producer was Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Peter Lin, filling in for Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.